Hello, it's Tamsin here, um, jumping in during the edit, as I have done so many times this year to do a disclaimer. Gosh, how many times do I have to do this? Basically, look, even though Ayla is um, in a lovely, squishy, comfy hotel room in Sydney and I am in my normal recording area at home, I like clicked the wrong settings today and really screwed my own audio up. Uh, so I'm not actually being recorded through my normal microphone. I'm annoyingly being picked up through my headphones and then this other stuff happened. And basically I couldn't really edit much of this one because both of our voices came out on the one track because, um, the only way I could get my own recording was through saving our zoom. Look, it was a lot, it's a lot of jumble, but we are kind of sounding a bit live and unedited this episode. and. Unfortunately, my little earbuds do not do as well recording my voice as my microphone does. So I'm very sorry, but it's, look, it's really not that bad. I just wanted to let you know so you're not like, oh, this audio sounds worse than usual. Um, just telling you that up top. Anyway, this was a lot of fun to record and yeah, it's a good episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. I'll let you listen now. Bye. For a bottle of tequila. Tequila's no good for you. Doesn't call, doesn't write. It's not nearly as much fun to wake up. Oh, yeah. Stress. Oh, that's is good. That was good for interstate. <laughs> I feel like everyone who listens to our podcast is going to think that our lives are so exciting, or specifically my life is so exciting and so interesting. Because we've been recording in all different places lately. In so many different places. I was in Thailand, I moved house, I was barely home, and now I'm in Sydney. Totally. So wild. All I've done is like recover from eye surgery and I'm not even recovering. All that you were traveling around, you were in Tasmania, we've both been ill and had drama. Totally. Oh my gosh, is the Grey's Anatomy rubbing off on us? All the drama. <laughs> None of the elevator sex. Hi everyone, welcome to Scaffolds and Tequila. I'm Tamsin. And I'm Ayla in Sydney. And Ayla is doing this from a hotel room, which is a bit fancy. And I'm in cold, freezing cold Melbourne, my usual little spot. For anyone who doesn't know, uh, there has been an Arctic chill that's been running rampant through southeastern Australia. Mm -hmm. uh, pretty much since the day I got back from Thailand is when the Arctic chill started and Melbourne hasn't managed to get above, what, 10 or 11 degrees Celsius? I feel like it's been 11 consistently, just consistently mm -hmm. 11. And that's normally kind of what it would drop to overnight, but it just stays the same. It's like 11 all during the day. It goes down to 10 degrees at night and it's back to like 11. Maybe it picks up been... like when the sun's out. Gets oh. to thirteen. Have so you cold. Had sun though. Like brief, yeah, like little bits of sun. Now I'm in but Sydney. It's I hate the Sydney side is more because they've all been complaining to me about the weather and how mm. cold it is. You know how cold it is. I'm guessing it's like seventeen degrees. or something. Yeah, there you go. All sun. People mm. were wearing tank tops at Bondi yesterday. That's. <laughs> So nice. It's so nice. Just enjoy it while you're there. Just live it up. 
have a nice time. Try and enjoy the sunshine. Let me just follow my superstitious heart and knock on some wood. Ooh, good segue. Good segue. So, so today, today oh, we are discussing oh. Grey's Anatomy, Season 2, Episode 21, Superstition. Superstition. It's Stevie Wonder, the song. Come on, play. Yeah, good, good song. I, I didn't know that that was the song, but good. Good, what? good, good. I didn't know that that was the song. Oh, yeah, that is the song, um, which is fitting because this week we are talking all about superstitions and little rituals. We have four deaths in the hospital today and rumour goes that there's going to be another three before the day's out. Meredith and Christina both have patients who come in through the ER who've dealt with very strange accidents today. George is back to being Burke's whipping boy, trying to get his scrub cap back from a reluctant Christina who just wants him out of her life, out of her hair, and especially out of her relationship. Izzy and Alex are again treating Denny, who looks like he might be the victim of this cursed seven. There's bad juju in the air and good hot chocolate. Hot chocolate would be so good right now. I went and raided the hotel minibar because all of the hotel like coffee sections in Thailand had hot chocolate. This one does not. I'm so upset about it. Just tea? hmm So we open this episode and Meredith talks about superstitions in her monologue. She talks about her old college campus having a magic statue where you would rub its nose for good luck. She talks about how people do things like avoiding sidewalk cracks and knock on wood. And because the last thing we want to do is offend the gods. Superstition lies in the space between what we can control and what we can't. No one wants to pass up a chance for good luck. But does saying it 33 times really help? Is anybody really listening? So what do you think? I mean, I feel like in terms of superstitions, I feel like everyone has one. Even if you don't think you do, I feel like you do. No? Oh, there was one specifically from this episode that I hold very close to my heart, and that is that you never say quiet. I don't totally. know, hospitality rule. That is hospitality <laughs> rule. Well, I mean, Izzy mentions one that I I hold very close to my heart as well, which is not saying Macbeth in the theatre. That's a huge oh, no, one. Not in the theatre. While you're doing in a the, show. No, in the theatre. Oh, I know. I noticed that. <laughs> I specifically made note of it and tried to spell it out the way she says it. Theater. That's so funny. <laughs> it's so strange that that comes out of her mouth like that. I wonder if she always says it like that or if that was just like a weird, a weird take. I love how many people are saying microwave because of Nigella Lawson. Microwave. I love it so much. It's so good. Microwave. I think I'm kind of a superstitious person. I don't know if I take them all seriously, but I really enjoy superstition. Mm, It's fun to relish, I think. Mm -hmm. But I, because I feel like I'm not, I mean, the Macbeth one, definitely. I think that's just a drama school thing and it really gets, you know, kind of gets honed into you a little bit. And because it, I don't know if you know about the Macbeth thing, but uh, when when Shakespeare wrote Macbeth, in 
in the actual play, he wrote in real like witches incantations into the story. And that was said to like bring on this bad luck. And then for the first time the play was ever put on, the actress playing Lady Macbeth died like quite close to the show. And then there's been lots of other kind of like weird deaths in the theatre around that play. So it's it's just said if you're rehearsing a show, you're about to go into season in theatre at all, like you just don't say it. You just say the <laughs> Scottish play or the Bard play or, you know. Oh, I don't know what my M and Lady M. Is. I like a jinx. A jinx is good. Yeah. Definitely the, the don't say it's quiet. That's that one. I That's a huge one. Yeah. Heart. Yeah. So at the opening of this this episode, we actually see all of our attendings going through all their little pre-surgery rituals. So we have Derek saying it's a beautiful day to save lives. He actually says it's a beautiful morning to save lives. Mm-hmm. Um, Bailey, I'm pretty sure she's praying when she looks up, does her little yeah. thing. Addison Gets up on her stool her... to get higher to closer to Jesus. <laughs> Addison puts her wedding ring on a giant safety pin and pins it into <laughs> her pocket. And Burke can't find his personal scrub cap. And he's freaking out. He's to the point where he actually. Tantrum. Yeah, a little hissy fit. He actually decides to take some of his surgeries off the board, which pisses Richard off. Yep, Richard's having a hard day today. And then I think the interesting thing is that all of their patients die. And this is where we get to this superstition that Izzy brings up, which is. Surgeries come in threes and sevens. Well, that's and, what the creepy guy at the morgue said. <laughs> yeah. So there's the, the, the superstition says that there's going to be four more before midnight today. And then Christina goes and jinxes the whole day by saying, it's really quiet in here. <laughs> As they're in the silent ER. And that's where we meet all of our patients. But just before they get to the ER, Addison is again trying so hard today. And she had a ritual in New York where whenever they had a death in surgery, she would bring everyone a cup of the liquid that all both of us want right now, and that is a hot chocolate. Yum. And it was just to bring some good juju around. Mm-hmm. She gives one to Derek. She gives one to Bailey. And she gives one to Meredith. So what do you think about this? Because then this kind of, you know, there's a bit of a conversation throughout this episode about how Meredith and Derek are now friends and how you you should be friends by proxy with Derek's wife, which is Addison. And I do kind of agree with that. I don't yeah. think everyone has to be friends with everyone in a couple. Like I don't have to be, I can be really good friends with you and I can be friends with Evan, but I don't have to be as close with Evan as I am with you. No, but like but, have a conversation, be friendly, have it not be awkward and then uncomfortable. Exactly. And she's trying really hard to do that mm-hmm. and be welcoming and friendly. And then you've got Derek giving Meredith side eye when she's already a bit confused and being cagey about it. Like, well, it makes the whole Derek and Meredith being friends thing uh, worse. It makes it feel yuck. It makes it feel icky. It makes it feel like they're doing something wrong if she's not allowed to be friends with Addison. She chooses not to be friends with Addison. Addison's trying to make it less weird. Yeah. And Derek's, like, making faces that it's weird, which Mm. you're currently getting to have your pie and cake. Like, praise the Lord. 
he's making it more secretive like it's making it feel worse makes it feel like they're doing something wrong if Addison's not allowed to also be friendly and get to know Meredith Mm -hmm. and that's what exactly because it is wrong that's why they're acting weird they would get distracted very quickly by the very, very quiet ER. Mm-hmm. Until the woo-woos happen. And immediately, crash, bang, we said the Q word. And quiet. Yep. I don't actually, I must have missed it, taking note. But how do Alex and Izzy find out Jenny's gone down. Did they get a page? They're in the midst of everything. Yeah. Like, oh, it's Denny, and they've got to go. Yeah. So then they are in. They're in Denny's room, and we find out that he is actually getting quite a lot sicker. He looks sick. He's been shaking. He's not well. And breathing. This is kind of where. This episode, Alex really shifts. We lose our happy Alex. I know we talked about that last episode, but this is like a real change, this episode of Alex being a jerk again. I I don't know. I've been thinking about this all night. I've sat with this episode for a while. Mm. And I don't know if Alex is being a jackass. By the end of the episode, 100%. Definitely. But... I think he's trying to prove a point, potentially going about it the wrong way, but he's being a good doctor. Yes, yes. To Denny, he's actually being very good. I also think that his own feelings do get in the way a little bit. So Denny says, man to man, tell me, am I going to die once Izzy's out of the room? He just asks Alex. And I agree. I think the correct professional response is what Alex says, which he basically just says he really doesn't have a chance. He lists a multiple, multiple ways that Denny could go down at any point during this whole reason he's at the hospital waiting for a heart. There's so many moments where he could die. And, and the fact that Izzy's been sugarcoating is out. She's kind of been coddling him because she needs the positivity. She She needs to be hopeful for her own feelings, but it's kind of sheltering Denny from the truth. But in this, Alex is also saying to Denny, Izzy really likes you and she's not going to be the one to pull away and this is going to really upset her. So he's also trying to persuade Denny to stop being so friendly and maybe start to pull away from Izzy on his own. Alex might also be trying to protect Izzy from herself. So we find out that the two of them have been sleeping together again, Mm -hmm. which, yes, you know, is motivation for him to want to get rid of Denny. And maybe this is all in my head, but he can see how upset, inappropriate she's being. Mm. Denny does a little, do you like horses? I think horses are a good judge of character. Mm. And sort of Burke's looking at them like this is a bit of a weird chat. And Alex, you know, says, oh, my uncle was a, a rodeo clown. Um, and it's little bits like that to try and distract from Izzy's inappropriateness, but I'm like, 
maybe he is saying this to Denny to save Izzy, and it's not all entirely selfish because if Izzy gets caught out in this, he's an intern. Yeah, out of the program. Mm, That's so true, and uh, yeah, he can see how much he's he can see how much she's fallen for him and how upset she's going to be. If that's true, then that's a really sweet. Yeah, it would be really sweet. It might be all in my head, but I don't know. He does care a lot about Izzy, and when she confronts him about speaking to Denny, his reaction's really fucking spicy when she confronts Alex. Well, this is it. This is it for Alex and Izzy. He says some hateful things. He does say you're breaking up with me over a corpse. Yeah. He's hurt. He's just hurt. He knows that Denny's dying. I'm like weirdly on Alex's side. Izzy says, I'm breaking up with you because on your best day, he is twice the man you'll ever be. You're not good enough for me, Alex. You know, she's actually been having a relationship with for the last several months, a patient, a terminal patient. Uh, Izzy has also said in the past that they're just sleeping together. They're not having a relationship, which is what she was kind of saying when she started flirting with Denny originally that her and Alex weren't, it's it's so confusing actually their relationship because Izzy, they were going to date and then Alex slept with Olivia and Izzy said, we're not doing this anymore. And then they started sleeping together take off your and pants. Izzy said, we're just sleeping together. Yes, take off your pants. We're just sleeping together. That's, that's all it is. It's not going to be anything else. And then she starts flirting with Denny and Alex makes that comment to Denny saying like, we're together and she gets really angry and she's like we're not together and now she's saying I'm breaking up with you which implies that she did think they were in a relationship yep it's messy Mm -hmm. it's super messy because they also stopped sleeping together for a little while they did yeah it's super super messy but I kind of feel like Alex has Alex has almost just not not listened to her he's just gone that they're in a relationship this whole time. He's just kind of heard her say, like, we're just living together, we're nothing. You can't tell Denny that. And it's like he kept almost acting like they were in a relationship, right? We've spoken about this before, that idea that just because someone hasn't decided to let you call them a boyfriend or a girlfriend doesn't mean that you aren't in some kind of a relationship. We have talked about this before. And, look, after everything that happened with, Meredith nearly dying in the bomb emotionally they've been super there for each other recently oh definitely these two are so close and their chemistry is absolutely undeniable and they've been sleeping together Mm -hmm. the way I talk about the show it's so funny I like flip-flop between like I'm trying to convince myself of so many different things like I'm on this side I'm on this side of their whole fight is the fact that the Grey's Anatomy song happens for the first time during this argument mm-hmm. I got very yep. excited I loved it it kicked in and then it kind of escalated and then we went into all of the surgeries again mm-hmm. and you just hear the how to save a life playing underneath it all it made me so excited but it's so funny now I just hear the recording of all the cast singing it from the musical episode <laughs> I can't believe I'm like oh yeah this is where Teddy comes in oh yeah 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 <laughs> That's what I hear. That's what I hear. 
Well, speaking of the ending with all the surgeries, we do have mm. a few other patients today. We do. So as our relationship, and- the relationships in this episode are really important. The relationships between yeah. all of the doctors. So because as Izzy and Alex are running away to somehow deal with Jenny, we have a few people come into the ER. Uh, first of which is Jesse Fannin, who's a man who has a head injury because he was rear-ended by another car. Mm. He gets handed off to Christina, and he um, appears to be counting. Uh, and the paramedic says to Christina, "Oh, it looks like this guy's got a like he's got a head laceration, but he also seems mm. a pretty severe case of OCD." And everyone's kind of disregarding his obsessive compulsive disorder, which I thought was very odd. Um, the other patient uh, has a very different ritual. Uh, her name is Nikki, and she was struck by lightning, in quotation marks. And I've got serious problems with Nikki's entire storyline. Story yeah, same. Same. And how it's handled. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe we should talk about Nikki then. Yeah. Nikki actually gets seen by quite a number of our doctors today including Kelly, George, Meredith, Bailey. A lot of people come and go on Nikki's case. Yep. She's covered in bruises and I don't know how else to explain it. Her legs are going red. She's having a really bad day. She's having a really bad day. She woke up this morning. She checked the newspaper, lol, and the horoscope told her not to leave the house today. And she decided to anyway, and she got struck by lightning. So Meredith and Bailey are looking her over. And it turns out she wasn't struck by lightning. The tree that she was standing up under was struck by lightning. struck by lightning. She basically just keeps changing her story, adding little bits, and everyone's confused. She eventually goes in to see Callie, and Callie just says, the, the, you haven't, a tree didn't hit you. Your injuries don't make sense. The tree didn't hit you. And this is where we get a really interesting little scene with Callie and George and Meredith. Mm-hmm. First of all, just Callie and George. In front of the patient again, we have our doctors yeah. discussing their personal lives. I don't mind it. I actually think it's funny. Nikki being there provides some comic relief. Oh, Nikki loving it. Callie says, and a hot girl gives you her number, you should call. And Nikki says How something, right? Still hasn't like, her. Yeah, he has not called Callie. Well, because he's he still has feelings for Meredith. Yeah. And then Meredith walks in and George runs out of the room and Nikki's there just loving it, being like, and the this plot, plot thickens. thickens. Um, well, the plot thickens for Nikki as well. Because after Callie susses out these bruises, Nikki finally admits that she wasn't hit by lightning. She wasn't under a tree that was struck by lightning. She was in her boyfriend's front yard in the tree that he loved. And this is all getting a bit sus. And she's gone to a CT and is and Meredith is standing there with Bailey. And we're getting closer and closer to figuring out that this girl 
is straight up stalking her ex-boyfriend and was hiding out in the tree out the front of his house. She had to take, what, an hour detour? Which is absolutely Um, terrifying. If I had someone hiding in a tree, like going to that those lengths, to she's probably watching him through his window, waiting for him to get home. That is awful. And as you were saying before, this this isn't taken seriously enough. No, Bailey's reaction is, should we be calling the police? And Meredith's like, no, she seems more of a gentle stalker than a kill you with a knife stalker. Um, um, both are bad. Yep. If these gender roles were reversed, mm-hmm. I think it would be a very different story. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And we always talk about, like, women getting the rough end of the stick in this show, but women can be stalkers too. Men can be harassed too. Mm. And they should definitely be calling the police. 100%. Because not only has she admitted to breaking and entering, trespassing on someone's property, but it's not the first time she's done it. Mm-mm. Done this a bunch no. of times, which is why she's and, in bruises. Yeah, and she knows it's wrong because she keeps changing her story. She keeps asking Meredith to call her boyfriend, and eventually Meredith calls him, and that's where we find out that they have been broken up for a long time, and she has just been stalking him, obsessively stalking him. Uh, but it's also where we find out that she is bleeding internally. She has her spleens ruptured and they want to take her for surgery. But somehow, well, because everyone's talking in front of patients, all of our patients have found out that they might be one of the seven to finish off today's superstition. Yeah, so this superstition has flooded through the hospital. And our patients are starting to not want to have surgery. So she doesn't want to have surgery because her horoscope said it was a bad day. Denny has heard it as well, and he's just sad and upset and scared. Not as superstitious, but he does ask for Izzy to go and get his will because he has heard this superstition and he's freaking out and he's trying to sort out his life. And he also knows how bad his chances are now. Yeah, now that he's actually had a proper conversation. One of our patients, though, isn't freaking out, isn't being superstitious. Mm. They have a severe medical condition that is deeply plaguing them and ruining their life from all accounts. Yeah. And I feel like this episode is talking about this person's severe mental illness as lightheartedly as they're talking about Nikki being a stalker. And I've got huge problems with it. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Definitely agree with that. Um, I think they do some things well, like they get the like a psych consult in to kind of help him through some of the tests that they have to do, like when he goes through the CT. And this psych doctor who we've we've met. yet, do we? We We've met him so many times. But he... All, he's there to be the butt of the joke for Christina and Meredith. They don't take him seriously, or psychology for that matter. No, they don't. But I think I, 
I think he does help this patient and helps get him through the CT. He tells Christina, he helps Christina help him. There's the scene where this man needs to hear someone say clean, clean, clean before he gets through the CT. And Christina's saying, it's clean, it's clean. Um, we clean it be- between every patient. And the doctor says, you actually need to say clean, clean, clean. And she does. And the patient thanks her and then they're able to kind of move on. So I think having that voice in there is a really helpful reminder and like teaching tool for like us as an audience. I know they could have done so much more. And I think if it was, this was happening today, it would be a bit different. But I think that kind of voice of teaching for us is really helpful. And you do see Christina respond well. And then later you do see George come to this patient's aid as well when he kind of tells Christina to get off his back and let um, this patient finish his ritual of clicking the light switch on and off. He needs to do it 96 times. I think it's very important that we actually see this patient not stimming as well. This patient calls Christina out for judging him and he says, it's always people who are the most like me that judge me the most. Mm. Yeah, she was like, how am I like you? And he's like, let me guess, top of your class. Yeah, Stanford, you learn to turn your compulsions into something constructive, so mm-hmm. you're awarded. Do you have any compulsions that are constructive? Do I? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. I feel like my ability to kind of, um, if I'm into something like writing a show or learning lines or something, like I can do that for hours and just go into a zone. And then in terms of acting, like I can sit down with a play and I can sit there for hours and hours, days if I need to, and I will learn the whole script. That's and then so that's, impressive. you know, like it's a thing that makes me good at that part of my job. But it's a compulsion thing. Like it's a hyper-focused thing. I'm not terribly good at My compulsions make me anxious. And generally worse at whatever I'm trying to achieve. Yeah. Because it's distracting. Yeah, I think a lot of it's learning how to control those in a positive way. Yeah. I hope that I'm I'm glad that they let this patient say this. And I I think it's important because it's like makes us think, makes us think differently, you know? Like once you see this patient just doing these these behaviors throughout this whole episode and this is the one moment where the patient kind of gets to flip it on its head and show us like make us question what we think in a way and teaches us more about this condition by turning it around Mm. and showing how compulsions can be be portrayed differently in different people yeah I think I'm still a little bit disappointed by it because in the end this patient needs brain surgery And when he's being put under, so he has a rhyming count that he has to do. uh, See a penny, pick it up, all day long you'll have good luck. Mm -hmm. And generally people with OCD or tick behaviours, from what I know, when they're in stressful situations, they become more pronounced. But when he's getting ready to be sedated for surgery, Christina basically tells him that they don't have time to wait for him to finish his ritual. And she has him sedated. Compassion, Christina. Patient care. 
well, that's the thing that we know Christina doesn't have and that's like a flaw in her character. And I bet that happens in real life. So I do think like I don't, I don't blame the show for showing us that because I think that that is probably something that people do experience. I, rec- I reckon people with these behaviours experience this sort of discrimination and this sort of like uncaring attitude towards them and this impatience quite often. Very regularly. We, yeah, but what we don't get to see is a follow-up to that or anyone scolding Christina or like any aftermath because this patient doesn't survive. Patient doesn't survive. I'm actually very surprised that George survived this episode, to be honest. Same, but I'm surprised <laughs> that George survives all the time. Well, we've got another episode of George not doing any medicine. Totally. So when we're in He's the just art, scraping through this his job, isn't he? Barely getting through. He's he's there when they're all getting assigned in the ER and he doesn't really have anything to do. Um we see him find Weber at a point because there was a patient in the ER asking for Dr. Weber. Mm-hmm. And her name is Olive or Ollie Warner. But he asks Weber if he needs some help with his patient and Weber says no. He's just kind of meandering about until he bumps into Dr. Burke. He's just had a little chat with Christina. Yeah, so as much as I get annoyed by George all the time, I really enjoy how much George and Christina we get this episode mm-hmm. and all of these little moments. So Christina almost gives Burke an ultimatum. She's just saying, I cannot live with George anymore. You have to keep him out of the house. He needs to go. And she realises that, Burke doesn't have any of his scrub caps and he's freaking out. And she says, I have one of your scrub caps in my locker and I'm going to hold it hostage (laughs) until you kick George out of the apartment. Consider it a trade. Kick Bambi out and you'll get your cap back. (laughs) So when George discovers Burke a bit later and George George says, like, I have nothing to do. What are you doing? Like, give me a job. I'm not doing anything. I'm free today. George has his guy. I mean, George does his Bert gets his guy for the day. And Bert gives him a special assignment, which is to get this cat back from Christina. And all of these methods that George uses end up being the kind of comedy through line, comedy storyline of this episode. And I actually really enjoy it. I think. I think it's really good. I love watching them sort of brother and sister play totally. with each other. Like the and hot dog like, eating contest and stuff. Exactly. I really yeah. like these two because they're such unlikely friends. And Christina wants to wants to kind of dislike George so much, but she doesn't. Mm-hmm. You know? Her facade is that she can't stand him, but she she really cares about George. So and much. And it's great. It is such brother-sister energy, like older brother, little sister energy. Like he finds, she walks in and finds him rifling through her locker. Gets all in his face. And she pulls her underwear out and it's like this pink lacy G-string, which I just thought was not (laughs) Christina at all. She just like waves it around his face. The station. (laughs) (laughs) 
And then later George follows her into where she's doing a CT and he's pulling faces and smushing his face against the glass. And then and everyone's just acting like this is fine. Yeah, well, because she's like, just ignore it, ignore it. She's just trying to get <laughs> through the day. Um, what else does he do? Oh, he chases her into the bathroom and that, that's where they're like having a bit of a play fight and she's he's trying to grab this scrub cap. That's my I think boob. she's hiding That's it my down, down her bra. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny. And just as he's trying to wrestle it out of her top. While she's screaming, it's my boob, it's my boob. Out comes Callie to wash her hands. Did you know this is the women's bathroom? Did you know? And then he calls her ma'am. And it's all <laughs> awkward. If you want to, if you, sorry, if if you were trying to flirt with someone and you had the hots for them and you wanted to sleep with them and they turned around and called you ma'am, I would hate that. I'd hate mummy more. <laughs> yeah. So much more. Yeah, Christina nailed it. It just makes you sound old. Nailed. We are. Man just makes people sound old. Imagine if, and I'm assuming because George is a little bit younger than Kelly, Mm -hmm. that would just heighten, that would just feel, I feel like that would feel weird. Super weird. But Kelly's face of like, not my circus, not my fucking monkeys. Totally. Totally. Beautiful. So good. Um, and then they're having lunch and George plays the I'm not touching you, I'm not touching you game, but by basically sitting on Christina's lap. Yeah, just keeps smushing himself into her basically. I feel like she wasn't told this was going to happen because she seems the most physically uncomfortable. Well, because she hates being hard, she hates physical contact. So (laughs) by George like smushing himself against her, that's like her worst nightmare. That's funny. But George, George doesn't win the scrub cap at the end of the day. doesn't wear her down. No. He goes and whinges and gets saved by Izzy, who goes full ratchet on her ass. Yeah, she pulls the trailer park card. Oh, terrifying. She basically knows that Burke is supposed to operate on Denny and Burke isn't operating on Denny because Burke's superstitions about the scrub cap has basically made him cancel a bunch of his surgeries today because he wasn't wearing a scrub cap this morning that was his own and his patient died. So he's not going to do any more surgeries today until he has his own scrub cap. Once Izzy figures that out, she is full, if you do not give me, if you don't get, she's full take off your pants mode. If you don't give me that scrub cap, I will hurt you. I will fuck you up. the physicality of it. She yeah. grabs Christina by the arm, an angry mother in a shopping center throws mm. her into a vacant office. Mm. It's actually such an amazing scene because their energies, a lot of the time in the hospital, Christina's energy is so big and so powerful and so commanding. She can take over a whole room. And Izzy Izzy plays a bit smaller with her, her energy. And Izzy's a bit like not meeker but a bit more bambi a bit cuter a bit nicer a bit softer yeah so to see this full shift of 
power and energy. And then physically, you realize how much taller Izzy is than Christina. It's it's quite an it's quite an amazing scene for that reason. Yeah, I thought exactly the same. But you're right; it is absolute. Take your pants off. But this time, it's mm-hmm. like a bitch is biting off her acrylic nails, pulling out the hoop earrings. She is ready to kick her ass. Yeah, literally, take off your pants, and it works. <laughs> amazingly it works oh and christina you see her shrink even further and she's pissed because izzy frog marches her to birth Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to hand over the scrub cap and what's interesting is burke assumes that it's george But grabs the scrub cap, ties it on, and as he walks past George, says, like, thank you or good job or something, and George just takes it. If George didn't tell Izzy. I guess. I reckon she, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) It's a soft, it's a soft maybe, yeah. George Um, is such a soft maybe. That's the best way to describe him. (laughs) (laughs) Um. So, yeah, Burke's got his big boy pants on and they decide, let's go do Demi's surgery. Yeah. Um, They start their surgery as well when the music is swelling and we get the how to save a life kind of montage. That is one of the surgeries going in at this moment. And then our life is really our our beginning of the end towards the wrap-up. So Mm. we're kind of there with everyone except we get a lot of, Dr. Weber, this episode. Yeah. So this is quite an important, important episode for Richard Weber. Important. We yeah. learn quite a lot and about his past. Yeah. So our last patient of the day is Ollie. Mm-hmm. And we learn. Well, Not only does Richard she have specifically, cancer. Richard specifically asks to treat Ollie and talk to Ollie by himself. They need a moment. Yes, not only does she have liver cancer, but she's also a recovering alcoholic and has been Richard's sponsor. Mm-hmm. And this is bombshell. where we, yeah, huge, huge bombshell. We realise that this Ollie probably knows more about Richard than anybody else in this show that we've met so far. And we hear a lot. And we learn a lot. So they have a pretty amazing conversation where Richard explains that we learn he's 17 years sober. What a huge achievement. And Ollie kind of asks to get a bit of an update on how Richard's going on on his life because she's not his sponsor anymore. But he also hasn't been to any meetings. And he hasn't been to meetings, yes, which is very interesting. And this is the kind of first time we learn that it's a bit of a struggle for Richard having Meredith here in the hospital. He says he hasn't been going to meetings and Meredith's in the hospital now and Ellis is around but she's in a nursing home with Alzheimer's and he's been visiting her quite a lot. And I don't think until this episode, because you know that, you know, we've we've put all those pieces together, but it would take a bit of an it would have a bit of an emotional impact working with Meredith day to day. 
Because every oh. time you saw Meredith, you'd think of Ellis if you were Richard. That would that would be hard. Or it would stir up emotion. We were talking about it in that episode where my mummy's a filthy whore. Uh, the fact that Weber is going to the nursing home and reminiscing hmm. with Ellis yeah. about their on-call room adventures. Mm-hmm. And Olive calls him out on the really dangerous and self-harming behaviours that he's exhibiting. And love Olive, Ollie, not a single bit of shit talking. No, straight into it. Paul's Weber out for having an affair, which he yeah. denies. And she's like, no, you're having an emotional affair with the woman who drove you to drink. Yep. And you're not going to AA. What is up, my dude? <laughs> what insight? What insight into Richard's character? I think that's so interesting. Mm-hmm. I think it adds such a layer of this character that we really don't know very well yet in this series. No. And I forgot how little we kind of knew, you know, because I feel like now, season 18, we know everything about Richard. You know, Mm -hmm. he's our dad, our uncle, he's our best mate. But just relearning his story and the order that we learn everything in is is really interesting. Do you remember how shocked I was by halfway through season one, realizing that we'd only seen Weber like, yeah, twice? yeah. Also, he's not because he's so important. He's so part of the fabric of this hospital. I can't mm-hmm. believe it's season two that we're just learning all this about him. I can't believe that we only get Ollie for one episode because I mm. her legend lives through this show. Totally. Yeah. But I thought she was a much more invested character. I think she comes back. Well, maybe he talks about her a lot because her she basically needs a new liver. Mm-hmm. And Weber has decided that he wants to try doing a shunt because the tips procedure, whatever that is, that she had recently didn't work. Now, this shunt that he wants to put in has a 50-50 chance of success. He's performed nine of them and only four have succeeded. Now, for me, that is not good enough odds. For Ollie, though, she's like, great, I'll be your fifth out of ten. Yeah. Uh, Sure. She's a glass half full person. Of whiskey. That was that was off color. I apologize. Um, so we get to the point of everyone being together in their surgeries and the music playing. Mm-hmm. Weber is operating on Olive. Mm-hmm. Sorry, yeah, no, Weber's operating on Olive. Burke has kicked Izzy and Alex out of his surgery because we what we forgot to mention is the big breakup fight that they have, they have in the scrub room. And Burke kicks them out because they've got some really bad juju all up in his alarm. Good on Burke, honestly. Agreed. No personal fights, no emotions. Like you're going into surgery, you can't have kind of that shit hanging over everything. You can't be distracted. 
Izzy shouldn't be in there anyway. Correct. Um, yeah. So and good George one, Bert. Gets stepping to, up. George gets to actually do something today. Great. Um, Christina and Derek are working together again uh, on Jesse. Yep. And yeah, that's. Oh, and Nikki. Nikki is not necessarily in surgery. While this is all happening, um, Nikki's refused to go into surgery until midnight. But Bailey's actually in helping Weber. And Meredith comes running in to grab her because Nikki has started coding. So Bailey and Meredith run in. And Meredith says a little white lie that your boyfriend boyfriend called and said to do surgery. Can we do it now? And before she gets said he didn't want doesn't want you to die. Yeah. She starts coding. Beeping, drama, suspense. Yeah. So they're opening her up. And two mystery interns are out the front of the OR board taking bets on who lives and who dies to complete the seven. So just to get everyone in the mood for what's happening here, the music is swelling, and I'm just going to play a little bit about what we can all hear. I was wondering what you were doing. Step one, you say we need to talk. He walks, you say sit down, it's just a talk. He smiles politely at you. (laughs) Yes! Removing needle over the line wire. Then we get Meredith. Stay right between the lines of fear and blame. You begin to wonder. And it kicks in. Where did I go wrong? Y'all decided to do a musical episode. That is where you went wrong. And then we are, and we're in, we're in surgery. <laughs> and that's the version that I heard. I loved every second of it. Oh, your poor brain. I cannot wait till we get to that episode. I'm so excited. Oh, we're so far away from it. Once Callie gets short hair, I know it's all over from there. <laughs> but it is it is a really intense few minutes watching Alex and Izzy outside of that OR board. Yeah. People come out trying to figure out who's there. And we hear that one person's gone down and we see Meredith come out. Nikki didn't make it. Mm-hmm. Another patient hasn't made it, and Weber comes out, but it's not Ollie. Ollie's made it through five out of ten. Terrible odds, but he's done it. There's so much tension in this scene. I think this is such a good, it's such a good moment because you've got these two interns who don't really have any personal connection, but everyone's kind of here for the superstition. Everyone's watching. Mm -hmm. And you have Izzy, who is an emotional wreck, She's so connected to this and she just has absolutely no idea what's going on. And her heart is kind of teetering on the edge of completely breaking. And then we get this moment from Alex where he just kind of pushes the knife in a little bit 
And he says, I bet you 20 bucks Burke's patient isn't going to make it. And the random intern standing next to him takes it. And Izzy, I can't, Izzy's in so much pain. So much pain. That was his last speck of squishy Alex. Yeah. He's like, I'm done with this. Yeah. Squishy Alex has caused me more pain than it has done me good. It's like he... It's like he wears this suit of like monster, like a onesie, like a monster onesie of of awfulness. And when he was with Izzy, when he bought her the cupcake, like he'd zipped that almost all the way up and it was like soft, squishy, lovely Alex underneath. But this episode, it's like it's all being zipped back up and he's going to turn back into the monster. Soft, squishy Alex got stood on. He got with yeah you got mangled yeah so you gotta put on the crunchy layer to protect the creamy center totally like a scab mm-hmm. there you go we find out that denny makes it mm-hmm. and who she did not allow to finish his ritual yeah did not make it. Did not make it. So it's not seven in the end. Mm-mm. It's only six. And we get this moment of Izzy bawling her eyes out in Denny's room because, and I know that feeling, that like whoosh of relief you get when, you, mm-hmm. when you're on the verge, you know, of being so upset you don't know what's happening. And even if it's positive, all of those emotions have still got to come out because you've been holding them so tightly. And we see Denny, that Denny's alive and he's awake. And then we see the Alex monster, the crunchy Alex monster, and he just is in true monster form in the locker room. You don't at want the to end talk the day. about the line that's finally being crossed by Izzy. Oh my god! Yes, we have to talk about that. <laughs> yes, I don't have. That's yeah. not, yes, go say it say it so she's bawling her eyes out and it's not only all of the tension that she's been holding for these hours this surgery was going on it's the worst part about surgeries literal hours of anxiety oh my god no she is finally admitting to herself yeah that she is falling for a patient and she kisses what i must assume can only be the worst cotton mouth. Oh, Ayla! <laughs> <laughs> this is supposed to be a romantic moment in this show. It is, but if you've ever had surgery and woken yeah. up, what is the first thing you want to do? Brush your teeth and drink a lot of water. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> And I am hoping with every fibre of my being, she does the right thing next episode and signs herself off of his case. I'm hoping that too because Mm -hmm. now that they've had a little smooch, this is definitely not okay anymore. This is like crossing so many lines. This is patient and doctor. They cannot be. Conflict of interest, huge conflict. There you go. You always manage to find the words when I'm struggling and just like 
blabbing on. It's very handy. Whereas you just let me ramble an embarrassing amount. No, I feel like that's what I do. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm going to talk about crunchy Alex in the locker room now. Oh, yeah. Alex is awful. And I have to say, I'm so sorry because I know that I am really awful to George on this podcast, but I would never say it to his face. And I don't think, I don't believe George is all bad. I just think George annoys me. I don't think George is a disgusting excuse for a man. He says that you're a sad excuse for a man. You're like a whiny little girl. You mope around this place like a dog that likes to be kicked. You make me sick. I don't think using, calling someone a female should be an insult. No. Mm -hmm. But he is a whiny little person. He's very mopey. He's very mopey. And he like uh, slimes around and wants to help himself. He doesn't help himself. Mm -hmm. Threatening with violence. What does he say? That if I could, I would smash your face into this locker? Yeah, but but I can't because because I'll get fired from the program or something. And it's all completely unprompted because Alex is in the locker room with Meredith and Christina who are changing. George walks in, sees Meredith and is like, does a little bit of a strop but just goes to his locker. And Mm -hmm. Alex goes fucking off. Mm -hmm. Look, the stroppiness, the avoiding Meredith, it's annoying. And like, especially in a workplace, you kind of can't have that. That's a bit shit. Um, but I understand he's feeling embarrassed and sad, but I just think doing the huffs and making big exits like that out of rooms and, like, it's just not called for. He can be a bit cold towards Meredith. He can just put his professional side just when he has to deal with Meredith. He can just try and take a step back from being her friend, like keep it professional. But don't the walk Addison. around in a huff. Yeah. But anyway, irregardless of George's behaviour, Alex is, yeah, irregardless. It's my new word. Oh, good. <laughs> um, what Alex does is completely uh, not okay. Unacceptable. Yeah, Not even a little bit. Really, really oh. awful. It does light that fire. Under George, though. It sure does. Mm -hmm. Because what does he do next? Goes down to the OR for a a chat. He finally decides to talk to Kelly. And he does a pretty cute manoeuvre, honestly. And he says, I'm sorry I haven't called you. She's kind of annoyed and ignoring him. So when she walks off, he calls her. Only about two metres away. It does the, it's a very romantic comedy gesture. I do think it's really cute. He yeah. says, I know I'm calling too late, but I'm calling you. I'm going to ask you on a date. Look, the problem I have with George and Callie right now is that George is clearly not over Meredith. Callie is super into George. I just think he needs to wait until he's over this 
little moment or just be honest. Say, hey, I just went through a thing. I'm just trying to get over this person, but you're really hot. I do want to date you, but I just like, just need a minute. That's not what the early thousands were though. (laughs) Okay. No one was allowed to be that open about their emotions, especially not a heterosexual male. Yeah. Metrosexuals, maybe. What was that? That was a time. Oh, it was bad. It was so bad. Um, But look, she's not that into him anymore. He's going to have to, like, he's he's lost some of the sparkle of the heart in the elevator guy. Of course, because she started to, like, get to know him. She's actually talking around. So now he's got to work for it. So she don't like him that much. He's got some ground to cover. And I'm interested to see him licking those boots. Exactly. Me too. Mm -hmm. Kelly deserves her boots to be licked a little bit. Speaking of boot licking, though, Burke finally, finally tries to empathise with and make his girlfriend comfortable. Mm Mm-hmm. And after weeks of asking, says, look, if he bothers you that much, I'll ask him to leave. Which is great. But but it doesn't need to happen today. Because what Christina just witnessed in the locker room, Mm -hmm. she doesn't want to pile onto George. And also, like, I don't know, they've kind of become a little bit more friends today, I think. Mm -hmm. She feels bad for him. But it's not even just pity. I think she genuinely wants to help out her friends. Yeah. I don't think it's and like a pity stay. I think it's like a, I need someone needs to step up and protect this guy. It needs to help and I'm I have the ability to do that. So yes, Burke will kick him out, but not today. I think as much That's as nice. it is in a a joking play fighting way, she got to finally vocalize some of the stuff that's been fucking annoying her. About him being there. Yeah. And just getting those things out is really comforting. Communication in relationships, it's important. (laughs) What we learn from Burke and Christina. But we also have a little uncomfortable wrap-up with Addison, Meredith and Derek. Yeah. I've got to say, Meredith, her, like, makeup team today... And her hair team, she was glowing. Her skin looked mm. beautiful all day. Totally. Yeah, I love it when her hair's out. But Meredith lost a patient. Derek lost a patient. They they were the only ones from this morning who lost patients. So Addison did the kind gesture and she brought a little cup, a hot chocolate, for Meredith and Derek to offer condolences on their surgeries. Yeah. And Meredith again looks at Derek, bit weird, has a sip and throws it in the bin. I just think that's really disrespectful. Addison is trying. Again, Addison is the only person who's trying. Yeah, just say thank you and then do what you want once they're gone. Just say thank you. Especially because Meredith's voiceover at this moment is saying, 
We rely on superstitions because we're smart enough to know we don't have all the answers and that life works in mysterious ways. Don't diss the juju from wherever it comes. And she's doing just the opposite to her own self. Literally the opposite. Who is talking. Anyway, yes, the ending annoyed me. But look, it's a... This is an important episode. It has some huge turning points like Alex and Izzy breaking up, Izzy kissing Denny for the first time, and us learning about Richard's past. Mm-hmm. Important. There's three really key moments. Yeah. I would have loved to have heard the conversation between Derek and Addison where he said, I'm friends with Meredith Gray. Yeah, same. Yeah, same, because I reckon it would have been really hard for her, but then somehow, because she's amazing, because Addison's the best, do we say it enough? Justice for Addison. She has somehow worked through her feelings. She's trying to process them and she's stepping up. She's being the bigger human and saying, okay, well, I'm going to try and be friends with her too because that's how we're all going to be comfortable with this situation. Mm Mm-hmm. And he's just still He's keeping secrets. He's keeping her to himself. He doesn't want to include Addison in their bonding, in their Meredith Derek time, which makes their time sneaky, which makes their time, like, wrong, which makes it an emotional affair. But we've got three episodes left in season two. And for those of you who have never seen season two before, there's going to be tears. Yeah. I'm kind of excited. Is there really only two left? Three. Three episodes Wow, a lot happens in the next three episodes. A lot happens. But this is my question. We've been frequently surprised by how the timeline's different to what we remember it being. So, yes, I'm very upset, but also I'm quietly optimistic that there's going to be more to it that we don't remember. Yeah. I actually, there's a gap because I obviously remember what happened, but it's like there's a little gap of Mm -hmm. how we get to that point. Same. And I'm like, did that happen in the next three episodes or is it happening later? But we're about to spoil it all for you. Um, I just want to say thank you so much to everyone for the last few weeks. The season 18 finale was such a big deal and getting through season two has been great. I understand that we've had quite a few technical difficulties over the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Now, Tamsin has new eyeballs and is starting in a new role that's being more steady. My new role is becoming more steady and my house is mostly unpacked. So we're hoping that everything is going to come together. We're going to have slightly better schedules. And we look forward to the next three episodes with all of you and starting season three soon. I do want to thank everyone that listened to the finale of episode 18 because that was, that's like our most played episode. And I don't know, it's just really nice. Love, I love talking about this show. So it's really nice when people like listening to us talk about this show. <laughs> Thank you so much. And we'll be back with another episode from season two next week.
Hi, it's Tamsin jumping in again. Um, thank you so much for listening to the entirety of this episode. And just to thank you, and also to do a little test to see if Ayla actually listens to the whole episode once it's up and recorded, I give you, for your listening pleasure, the Grey's Anatomy cast recording of How to Save a Life. Let's go. One step at a time. One step at a time. Step one, you say we need to talk. He walks, you say sit down, it's just the talk. He smiles politely back at you. You stay politely. Removing right needle over the line wire. Catheter. As he goes left and you stay right. Between the lines of fear and blame. Still got active bleeding coming from somewhere. But then let's recheck the wretched pair to me. Can I cut access? Let him know that you know best Cause after all you do know best Four steps, give me some suction Clamp, give me a time, please Brain is decompressing Balloon is advanced Extra step guide wire, please Brain bleed has been controlled Lay down a list of what is wrong Okay, occluders in Turn on the doctor And pray to God Minimal residual VSD flow Okay, one more time here. Pulling out. Get a longer band of holes in the vena cava. Two hours clamps. Yeah, ventricular rhythm. Yeah, it's braiding down. Pressure's now. Systolic. Pulse is down to 40. It's dropping. So that's pretty. You know, arterial pressure's just shot up. And more FFP in factor 7. We're losing her. We've already replaced her entire blood volume. Starting cardiac massage. Put one of that Find whatever's bleeding and shut it down. Put an amplify card. Three of that be in another recipe. Richard, you have one minute to get her heart back before I'm taking the baby out. Oh, come on. He will do one of two things. He will admit to everything. Or he'll say he's just not the same. And you'll begin to wonder why you came. Where did I go wrong? Is she breathing? Her color's bad. Stimulate and suction. And get some access. Not getting off heartbeat. Uh, Doctor Grab, I give you the hand. Get those monitors on, ventilate, and have guard still zero. Come on, baby. There it is. Doris is coming back. Starting 70 and rising. Getting no chest rise with the bagging. We should intubate. Okay, do it. Tubes in. Starting ventilation. Move. Continue compression suction through the tube. Got it. Bleeding control. ICP stable for now. Push 9 cc's of LR, 0.05 cc's of epi, and 0.5 of light carb. 
Mom's heart is strong. How to save a 